Hey, Race to Empower listeners. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the horrific tragedy that has taken place this week on Maui with the Lahaina, Kula, and Kihei wildflowers. As many of you know, my husband and I had the privilege of getting to live on Maui for three years when we were stationed there with the Coast Guard. Maui is where I first started my private practice. It's where my husband and I started our life as a married couple, and it's where my first son was born. So Maui holds a very special place in my heart. I know so many of us are wanting to help support the individuals, families, and businesses in the Maui community that have been so greatly impacted by this devastation. So I've created a page on my website dedicated to providing updated and ongoing information on organizations that can benefit from your support. To learn more about how you can support the Maui community on this long road to recovery, head to www.raisetoempower.com forward slash Maui Strong to learn more. A link will also be provided in the show notes. Thank you for your help in the recovery and relief efforts of the Maui community. You're listening to the Raise to Empower podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Kamajis, a licensed clinical social worker with a multi-state online therapy practice. I have a passion for empowering women and mom therapists to break free of the fear, overwhelm, and oppressive systems that hold them back from taking action and building the private practice of their dreams. My goal is for you to boldly believe in yourself as a clinician and business owner. If you're looking for a place to learn practice building strategy and skill while also claiming your own power as a woman and a therapist, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Raise to Empower podcast. This week's show is going to be just a a little bit different than some of my usual shows where I focus a little bit more on some of the practice building tips because I'm just going to kind of shoot from the hip a bit today and just kind of almost, this might be like a venting session, but I, I'm wanting to share a bit about just some of the struggles I've been experiencing where my personal life is bleeding into practice life and how I'm dealing with that and pivoting as need be and having to shift stuff. I have a feeling that Many of you either have or are or will experience similar things. And so I just want to kind of normalize some of this and share how I'm working through it in hopes to support you in doing the same. By no means do I have this figured out, as you'll hear (laughs) as I'm talking today. So at the time of this recording, we are four days away from my oldest starting kindergarten. We are, yes, like in the very beginning of August, we are in Florida and school starts very, very early here. I have all kinds of feels about him just going to kindergarten. For any of you who have children and have sent them to kindergarten in talking with a lot of people, I know I'm not alone in this. Sending them off to kindergarten feels really big. So I'm just trying to process that piece in and of itself. And also kind of avoiding thinking about some of that because some of the other stressors of him going to school are just like so much. And you'll hear about that. Just the thought of him going to kindergarten in general is stressful and overwhelming, but there's some additional stressors that I'm experiencing with him going to kindergarten for the first time. I've shared in some other episodes that he has some special needs 
And one of the biggest ones really for him is that he has severe food allergies. He was diagnosed at six months old um, with a severe egg and milk allergy. At the time, it was also a peanut allergy and nuts and wheat. And we have since passed the peanut challenge and he is now able to have peanuts and that is not a concern for him anymore. Other nuts, he does fine with wheat. He does fine with, and we have figured out how to manage his allergens because again, we've been dealing with this since he was six months old and we know how to prepare food for him that he will eat that's safe. We know how to maintain a safe environment for him because for him, it's not just a matter of if he eats or ingests dairy or milk, which are his severe food allergens. For him, it's also just simply coming into physical contact with these items that can be life-threatening for him. So he started preschool right before he turned two. That was when I started my solo practice. And he started going to a local preschool where we were living in Louisiana at the time. Since then, he's been, with the exception of COVID lockdown, since then he has been either in a preschool or a daycare setting up until just just now. I've always been able to meet with the director of the school and his teachers to go over everything, whether it was registering at a new school or just before the new school year when he was switching teachers and all of that stuff. I can set up meetings where I go over his allergens. I am able to review ingredients and snacks that the school provides or provide information that the school then communicates to the parents. Like if they're providing snacks to the classroom, I have to teach the teachers and the aides and all of them how to use his EpiPens, like all of the good stuff. There's a whole routine that I go through and I've done it since he was two. With the preschool that he went to first, it was such a small one and very friendly and easy to communicate with the staff and, and the daycare he's been in since we moved to Florida. Again, they're, they're small. And so by the time I'm done meeting with the staff and the teachers, I have usually felt comfortable because I've been able to get in touch with someone easily, to arrange a time to meet, to have the meeting and feel like everybody has the information and is on the same page that he is safe to start there his first day. Now that he is starting public school and it's a bigger school, it really feels like the game is changing. Just even touring the campus where he's gonna be, it just feels big. I know that he's going to be okay. I know that other kids handle this, but like just from that standpoint, it feels kind of daunting and overwhelming. Trying to get in contact with people at the school has been really, really hard. So due to the severity of his food allergies, he qualifies for 504 accommodations, which if you're not familiar, you can Google 504 accommodations or you can get accommodations for a variety of different things. And it comes from a federal law that says children with a disability deserve to receive accommodations in the school setting to support their education and allow them to learn in a regular classroom setting. It's different than an IEP. It does have to do with their environment. It does have to do with certain things that the school does. And he qualifies for this. He also has ADHD, which also qualifies him for a 504 accommodation plan. 
since this past spring, spring of 2023, he was still in what here we call VPK or pre-K four. Since then, I've been trying to figure out how to get him 504 plans for both the food allergies and the ADHD, but really, especially for his food allergies, because while we absolutely need the, the 504 plan for his ADHD, and I'm prepared to fight for that, the food allergen piece, it really is for him a matter of life and death. He is at risk for anaphylactic shock and he needs to have that plan in place before anything else. And so if you have a child that's not yet enrolled in a public school, it's really hard to get a plan started or completed. I've been for the past probably like six or seven months, I've been in communication with advocates from an organization here and just a variety of different people just trying to figure out where's kind of my point of entry because it's been really hard to figure that out. And a lot of people had pointed me originally to the school, but unfortunately, because school ends so early here and starts so early, the staff at the school are gone by Memorial Day. And they're basically gone till like the week before school starts. So the summertime and even late spring was really hard to just it was near impossible to get anything done with regards to this for him for the past month through pretty much all of July and the end of June, I've been in contact with advocates from an organization here. I've been in contact with our school districts compliance and central office. And it's just been this like round and round and round trying to get something set up. If you have ever had to advocate for your child in a school system, it is not for the faint of heart. It is a beast to navigate. And I don't believe it's just in public school systems. It's just a greater issue that a lot of families struggle with. If you have fought that battle, you know what I'm talking about. Finally, two weeks ago, which mind you is only two and a half weeks before the first day of school. And I'm a planner. So that's really hard for me (laughs) that I have not heard anything yet. So finally, two and a half weeks before the first day of school, I finally got in contact with the school counselor. Um, She's the person who writes the 504 plans. So we finally got to talk on the phone and we've been in communication back and forth through email about trying to set up a meeting with her, his new teacher and the school nurse to develop this 504 plan as well as provide the school with his emergency action plan and teach them his EpiPens and all of that stuff. The counselors here, they come back about a week before the teachers do. And so when I first talked with this school counselor, the plan was for last week to set up a meeting with all parties that needed to be present. Just a few days into the week, I finally heard back from the counselor after I was kind of hounding her of like, Hey, look, I have appointments on my schedule. I'm a therapist. I can't just really cancel things last minute on clients. And if I am going to need to do that, I need to know ahead of time. She told me that actually the day she thought the teachers were coming back wasn't for two more days. So they weren't going to be coming back till the day after she emailed me. And the counselor was then going to be out the last day of the week. So it literally left like one day for us to possibly meet last week. And she said that was not 
really an option. So it was going to have to be pushed back to the next week, this week, which is the first week of school. The first day of school is Thursday of this week. So at this point, I am super annoyed and frustrated, but I'm also like, the reality is I'm at the mercy of these people. And when they can meet, like, there's not a whole lot I can do if people are not on site, if they have no way of getting in touch with these people, there's not a lot I can do. Before I had told the counselor, I am a therapist. I have limited days that I'm available to meet. I had given her my schedule. I even said, Hey, I can shift a couple things here, but I'm trying to be as least disruptive to my clients. And like, the reality is I also have to work, right? I work for myself, but I also, I have to work. (laughs) Once I finally got that message though, from her about the meeting getting pushed to the 11th hour, right? Like right before school's going to start, I really didn't have an option, right? I had to just say, schedule it for whenever. And I will have to figure this out. I'm going to have to move clients around as I need to, but I need you to tell me when it is because I need to let my clients know. And I really hate to do that. I hate to have to shift things around on clients, especially when it's not really my choosing, right? It's one thing if I say, hey, I have this thing that I am making a point that I have to have this thing at this date and time, and I'm going to have to reschedule your appointment. But I have no control over when this school is going to say we're going to have this meeting. And this meeting is a non-negotiable. It absolutely has to happen in order for my son to go to school for the first day. In fact, I even had the advocate that I was working with, she advised that if we don't have the meeting before the first day of school, to not send him because it truly is a matter of life or death for him. And I hate the idea of him not getting to go on his first day of kindergarten for so many different reasons. And so this meeting, like I said, it has to happen. So last week, while I was waiting to get this confirmation of when the appointment will be in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen with these clients that I'm now scheduling for next week. I have standing appointment times with most of my clients at the end of each session. I usually just confirm with them of, Hey, this is when I have you on the schedule for next week. Does that still work? If so, great. I'll see you then. If not, just let me know. I had to be really transparent with them last week and tell them, look, I have you down on the schedule for this day and time, but I'm just giving you a heads up that my son starts school next week and he has severe food allergies. And I'm waiting for a confirmation of this last minute meeting that the school is going to have. And there is a chance that it could get scheduled during your appointment time. If it does, I'll just have to let you know, and we're going to have to cancel. And I'll let you know as soon as I know. And unfortunately, my schedule is super full next week, so I'm not going to be able to reschedule that. But I'm just going to have to let you know at the last minute. Now, I didn't have to say that to them, right? I could have just not said anything. And if it happens at the last minute, it happens at the last minute. But I really wanted to be upfront with them that, hey, this thing is going on in my life. And there's nothing I can do about it. And unfortunately, it might impact your session or sessions. And I chose to be transparent about what the nature of that need was to have that last minute cancellation, right? That I have to have this meeting for my son's food allergy. I chose to be transparent about that simply because my schedule has already been pretty wonky lately, just due to vacation time and doctor's appointments for myself and my kids. 
and I'm going to be going out on maternity leave soon. So I just wanted to kind of give clients a heads up so that if they got an email from me last minute, that they wouldn't be shocked that it wasn't going to be this. Now what, what's going on that they were be a little bit of context and a little bit of understanding of what is happening. So I finally got the email to confirm the day and the time of the meeting. And it is the day before school starts, like not even 24 hours before it's a few hours before the end of their work day on Wednesday. It is what it is. Right. So I'm thankful that I don't have any clients scheduled that day, but I'm also now having to rearrange some other things that I have in my schedule, but it's the least disruptive place that it could have been, but it's literally at the 11th hour. So I'm also still waiting to hear back from the after school program he's attending to arrange a time to meet with them to go over his EpiPen plan and such. And there's a good chance that that could get scheduled sometime this week during this session, right? That could be a last minute thing that again, I have no control over because I'm at the mercy of when these people let me know what their availability is and just getting back in touch with me because I can't get in touch with anyone. There's just a ton up in the air right now, and it's requiring a lot of moving pieces on my end. I have to make sure we have enough sets of all his medical supplies for all the places that need them, have to have all the appropriate doctor's notes and scripts and forms filled out, and just making sure that everyone has all the knowledge and education and training to keep my kids safe. And I've been doing this for the last month and a half, trying to plan and prepare for all of this. But again, I'm at the mercy of all these other people. And then I'm also fighting for this 504 plan. I feel like it is a fight because I can already tell just by a little bit of pushback and verbiage that I've been getting that I think they're hoping to not have to do this 504 plan for his food allergies, but I'm pretty connected to several different food allergy communities. And I know from so many other parents, horror stories of kids at school with food allergies that this 504 plan is just, it's not a negotiable thing for me. It is a non-negotiable. So I'm trying to manage the stress of simply sending my oldest to kindergarten for the first time, the stress and aggravation of just having to advocate to keep my kids safe and be able to get an equal education and the headache of all of this coordination while also coping with hormones and exhaustion of the third trimester and running a private practice. So the next two weeks as we start, school and, you know, it's going to be just an adjustment for everybody in our household schedule with he's going to be going so early compared to what it's been. I'm trying to just give myself grace as we all adjust to this new routine and coping with the changes that I know he's going to be having in this new environment, as well as going into battle with the school to advocate for him. We've all been told we need to network in our private practice, but no one actually tells us how to do it or what to say. Enter Comprehensive Connecting, effective scripts that expand your networking community and actually fill your online practice. This free guide will give you effective scripts to connect with fellow clinicians, medical professionals, and community stakeholders to build strong networking relationships that will help fill your practice. In this guide, you will get tips and tricks for building relationships that will lead to referrals in your practice, real life examples of messages used to connect with referral sources, and customizable plug and send scripts for your specific practice needs. 
So download your free scripts guide today by going to bit.ly forward slash comp connecting. My clients are by no means on the back burner for me right now. I, I still feel that I'm in a headspace that I can be effective and efficient and very present with my clients, but I am choosing to be a bit more upfront with them right now about kind of what's going on in my personal life. And I'm not going to bend over backwards to make additional accommodations if it doesn't fit in my own schedule, because I can tell you from where I am that right now, while I'm in the right headspace, while right now, I feel like I can still practice and juggle all of this personal stuff going on. If I start to bleed into these other areas of my personal life with my practice life, then there will be much more of a challenge to be able to be fully present for my clients and for my own family too. So why am I sharing all of this, right? Like why, why am I telling you all this like really personal stuff right now? I know from talking with so many colleagues, I'm not alone in dealing with challenges, like what I'm experiencing with my son going to school, whether it's, we have sick kids that have constant illnesses, which by the way, you know, school is starting. So like we're about to head into those months where new germs are being passed around and the winter months are coming. So there's going to be lots of that kind of stuff happening, or maybe we are experiencing an illness. Maybe it's not just a cold or a flu. Maybe it's something that is a bit more daunting or challenging that we're having to navigate and is requiring a lot of us. Maybe we're caring for a sick friend or family member or ailing parents, or we're trying to figure out how to manage sudden moves or the need to be available to take an important call from a doctor during a session or sudden deaths or pregnancy. The reality is things in our personal lives can easily disrupt our business and our professional lives. And it can be hard to know how to navigate the balance of where does one role have to take precedence over the other and how to balance that. And I'll be honest, I don't have clarity or like a clear answer to give you on what exactly you should do, because I really don't know that there is like a specific right or wrong way to do this. But I do know that many of us struggle with feeling guilty when we have to cancel on our clients or when we have to change our availability or make some kind of decision that's going to have really any kind of impact on our clients. But what's so important is to remember that we are human. We have families, we have lives, we have friends, we have things that impact us outside of our therapy world. And those things can sometimes bleed into our business because we need to be more available to something else and less available to clients. And these conversations can be really hard to have with clients and to know what to share or disclose about what you're going through. And I don't think that you have to disclose things that you aren't comfortable with. But I think to be as open and honest with them as you can so that it can help normalize the need to adjust your schedule. And it also validates that you are a human too with family and with needs. So many of us have been taught in our graduate school programs that the therapist is the blank slate, right? We are not supposed to be sharing about ourselves. But I truly believe that Disclosing where appropriate to our clients can help normalize our struggle and in turn help normalize theirs as well. 
help them in their own therapeutic process. So I just want to encourage you, if you're finding yourself in a similar situation as mine, where you're needing to take that important phone call that may come in the middle of a session, or you're needing to quickly adjust your schedule or cancel appointments due to your own personal or family needs, it's okay. Your clients will be okay. Give yourself permission to take care of yourself and your family. Our work is hard. And when we are also facing things in our personal lives, it can make it really challenging to be our best self in sessions with clients. So take the time you need, pivot your schedule as needed. And I do promise your practice will still be there once things calm down. I hope me sharing a bit about the struggles I'm experiencing maybe helps you think through some of the things you are or that you will go through and how to quickly pivot or shift in your practice. We can't keep our personal lives from bleeding into our business, but we can figure out how to best adjust and cope with it when it happens, because it will happen. Thanks for letting me vent today. And I look forward to chatting with you again next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Raise to Empower podcast. Check the show notes for all links and resources mentioned in the show. If you found today's episode helpful or inspiring, be sure to share it with your therapist friends. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave your five-star rating and review. It truly means so much to me and will help us get our message of empowerment out to other women and mom clinicians. And I'd love to connect with you in our Facebook community. So check out the show notes for the link or head to bit.ly forward slash raise to empower to join us. I'll see you back here next week.